All right. Is my mic on? I think it is. Cool. All right. Don't you love it when things don't work out? We uh, filmed that video last Wednesday night, uh, the kids. So I just want to fill you in on what it is in case we don't get it to work, because I have another video, too, and I'll fill you in on that if that doesn't work. But hopefully it does. Fingers crossed. But um, I want to fill you in a little bit on what those kids said. So the first little boy that you saw up there, his name's Cole, and he, he, talked to, he just started coming to youth group uh, this last winter. And he talked about uh, how he's enjoying youth group and he's going to youth group and that's how he's serving God. And then there was a little boy named Canaan and he talked about how he goes to church with his parents every Sunday. And Anna talked about how she serves uh, in music at church. And Andrew talked about how he helps with the children and he's going off to college to continue growing in his faith there. And we have a lot of examples of kids that are serving Christ right now. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. But I just want you to know, in case I'll try to figure out some way that we can get those maybe share with you, those videos maybe on Facebook or something. That, that way you can watch them. Because it's really cool to see the kids talking about what they're doing for Christ. And uh, it's something that I'm not particularly good at is scheduling. And there's a football camp going on right now. There's an honors college thing that's happening soon. And uh, we have some kids going off different places, but I think it's just a great example. Uh, that's why we filmed the videos because they couldn't be, a lot of them couldn't be with us this morning is uh, they're just going out and they're serving Christ where they're at. And that's what we're trying to teach them. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So to start off with a little bit of a story, uh, most of you know last Monday was Memorial Day, and people celebrate and remember that holiday in a lot of different ways. Uh, some of you maybe uh, visit cemeteries, your uh, lost loved ones' gravestones to remember them, or you may attend services that honor veterans or servicemen and women. Uh, some of you maybe just have a cookout with your family or enjoy the day. Well, uh, m- myself, my dad, Will, and Andy, we all choose to spend Memorial Day by torturing ourselves. Um, yeah, uh, it's, we're not the only ones, though. Hundreds of other people across the country do this, and I'll tell you why in just a second. So the Murph, if you're not familiar with it, is a specifically designed wad. It's like fancy CrossFit talk for workout of the day, engineered to absolutely, absolutely punish your body. And this is our third year doing this. And to be honest with you, we are now six days into it, and I have just recovered from my soreness. Andy could barely walk the next day. It's because he's old. Uh, But um, (laughs) there are a couple things that I first want to fill you in on that you've, if you've never heard of this workout. So let's talk about what it consists of, right? It starts with a one-mile run. One mile's uh, not too bad. I I run quite a bit. It's not uh, that big of a deal. First mile, I'm feeling great. Now, since I graduated high school, I kind of stopped lifting. Uh, I do some body weight exercises every now and then, but really not that often. I'm kind of weak. So the uh, next Next part is what I uh, particularly dread. You have to do 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, and 300 body squats. It's not a lot of fun. It takes quite a bit of time. And um, (laughs) I've never honestly been one to excel at pull-ups. My upper body strength to body weight ratio has never been that great. (laughs) So those are awful. It's just it's just pain doing those. And like I said, this is our third year doing this. So we found ways to make it a little easier. I'll give my dad credit where credit is due. He did it the first year and we kind of messed with him a little bit for it. But we um, break it up into sets. We do five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, and then 15 squats. And we do that for 20 sets. And by the end of the workouts, your technique is completely out the window. You're just trying to barely like push yourself up and you're like swinging to do pull-ups. It's, it's a lot of fun, but it's, it's kind of awful while you're doing it. Um, 
But that's not even the end of the workouts. Uh, to finish, you have to run another mile. And uh, the first mile, I was feeling great. I ran a decent time. I ran around a seven and a half minute, and I probably ran at four minutes slower the second time. Your legs are jello. You can barely lift your arms up to keep them going, and it's, it's not a lot of fun. And to even add on top of that, uh, you're supposed to do all of that in a 20-pound vest. Uh, we do not do that. Uh, <laughs> we are lucky to get through the thing without any extra weight. Uh, so now that you kind of know what the Murph is, let me tell you why we do it. So I'm going to read this from uh, the Murph's website. It says, in 2005, Lieutenant Michael P. Murphy, who is a Navy SEAL, was the officer in charge of a four-man SEAL element in support of Operation Red Wings, tasked with finding a key anti-coalition militia commander near Azadabad, Afghanistan. Shortly after inserting into the objective area, the SEALs were spotted by three goat herders who initially detained, or who were initially detained and then released. It is believed that these goat herders immediately reported the SEALs' presence to the Taliban fighters. A fierce gun battle ensued on the steep face of a mountain between the seals and a much larger enemy force. Despite the intensity of the firefight and suffering a grave gunshot wound himself, Murphy is credited with risking his own life to save the lives of his teammates. Murphy, intent on making contact with headquarters, but realizing this would be impossible in the extreme terrain where they were fighting, unhesitatingly and with complete disregard for his own life, moved into the open where he could gain a better position to transmit a call to get help for his men. Moving away from the protective mountain rocks, he knowingly exposed himself to increased enemy gunfire. This deliberate and heroic act deprived him of cover and made him a target for the enemy. Uh, while continuing to be fired upon, Murphy made contact with SOF Quick Reaction Force at Bagram Air, Air Base and requested assistance. He calmly provided his unit's location and the size of the enemy force while request, requesting immediate support for his team. At one point, he was shot in the back, causing him to drop the transmitter. Murphy picked it back up, completed the call, and continued firing at the enemy who was closing in. Severely wounded, Lieutenant Murphy returned to his covered position with his men and continued the battle. Lieutenant Murphy fought on, allowing one member of his team, Marcus Luttrell, to escape before he was killed. For his selfless actions, Lieutenant Michael Murphy was posthumously awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor on October 27, 2007. So, like I said... Every year, or, uh, every year, people around the country participate in what's called the MRF, the, the workout, as a fundraiser and a memorial for Lieutenant Murphy. And I kind of joked with you a little bit about my weakness in doing that exercise and then compared it to uh, Lieutenant Murphy's strength for a reason. I wanted to show you what it looks like for someone who is not equipped and someone who is equipped for the task at hand. And before we leave this morning... I want to make three things clear. We're going to answer three questions. And that is what it means to be or what it means to equip, the purpose of why we are equipped, and who equips us. Um, all right. So, get my pages in order. Uh, the youth group doesn't really have an official mission statement, but if we did, this is Youth Sunday after. I'm going to kind of tell you guys a little bit about what we do as a youth group, what our goal is. And we don't really have an official mission statement, but if we did, it would be along the lines of preparing students to have a strong faith in Christ after they graduate. Now, I want to share this uh, pretty crazy statistic with you uh, that J.D. Minor actually also shout out prayers or send prayers to them. They're on their honeymoon right now. They got married yesterday, so that's pretty cool if they're watching Hey, J.D. Uh, but uh, he shared this statistic with me uh, a couple weeks ago. 
and I fact-checked it on the internet because everything on the internet is true. Uh, according to Lifeway Research, two-thirds, or around 60% of young adults who are ages 18 to 22 that regularly attend a Protestant church in high school take at least one year away from the church after they graduate. That's two in every three students that take at least, at least one year away from church after they graduate. Uh, that's why we decided that this is such an important topic to share with you this morning. Uh, we, w- you guys have a huge role, a huge role in equipping the youth, equipping uh, little kids up to high schoolers for uh, their servanthood in Christ. And that video that I talked about earlier, hope you, uh, hopefully you guys get to watch it later. That's just some of our students telling you how, uh, how they serve Christ and how they are being equipped to serve in different areas of life. Uh, similarly, the main passage that we are going to be in today, uh, it's Paul explaining to the church in Ephesus uh, how we are commissioned to equip each other and to equip uh, ourselves for different areas in life, kind of like the kids uh, talked about in the video. And we're going to start by reading Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. There's a lot of context around the key verse, so I want to make sure that we get it all in. So we're going to read starting there. If you want to open up and read with me. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. And this is where we get into the verses that we're going to focus on for most of the sermon. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there and by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of the people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself upon love as each part does its work. All right, so I first want to draw attention. Actually, before we get started, let's pray. God, I come to you now and I just thank you for the blessing that it is to be able to be here this morning, just to be around fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We just get to celebrate you. Lord, I pray that as we continue reading your word and seeing what it has to say, that we're able to just take from it and see what it means to be equipped and how we can further equip ourselves to be better servants for you and how we can equip other people to do the same. God, we just thank you so much for all that you have given us. In your heavenly name I pray, amen. All right, now we can get started. Yeah, you guys can be seated. Um, But (laughs) I first want to draw attention to the very first verse. Uh, So Paul here urges us to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. 
So what is that calling? Uh, In short, that calling is basically being Christ's representative, uh, being one of Christ's own. And then Paul tells us, uh, Paul tells us that calling includes being humble, uh, being gentle, patient, understanding, and peaceful. And then he talks about finding unity in Christ and unity amongst the church. And then in verse 7 and 8, Paul quotes uh, Psalm chapter 68, verse 18, which says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And Paul uses that verse. He uses that verse from the Old Testament uh, to show two things. Uh, One, that Christ's death and resurrection was victorious over Satan. And that's the first part of the verse. And then secondly, when he ascended to heaven, he didn't leave us empty-handed. So now that we've kind of summarized up to that point, uh, we get where the key verses are that we're going to talk about for the most part. So Paul lists some of those gifts that Christ left behind for us in verses 11 through 13. I'm going to read them again. I told you, Ryan, this is Ryan's first day running the uh, computer system, and I told him that I'm going to jump all around just to make it hard on him, so I'm sorry for that. But uh, verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure to the fullness of Christ. So that leads us to the first question that we're going to answer this morning. What does it mean to equip someone? Uh, so all of you are aware that this is Youth Sunday, right? We, I feel like we made it clear to this point. Uh, a typical lesson at youth group is not necessarily lecture style. It's not just me standing up here talking to you. It's instead we try to make it as conversation-based as possible, uh, especially on our Wednesday night small groups. We like question and answer. We like to have the kids think through what's going on. So that is exactly what I'm going to make this morning like. Yeah, I'm going to leave the podium. Scary, right? Uh, But I am going to ask you guys some questions. I want you guys to kind of help me out, right? Okay, so Paul, Paul Morris, you're my first helper, all right? How would you define the word equip? Yeah. All right, I like it. Well done. Gold star. Oh, yeah, to uh, train or to prepare someone with the right equipment, right? Yeah. Uh, Great job, Paul. Gold star. Uh, (laughs) All right, Andy, how about you? How would you define the word equip? What he said. What he said? Nice. Okay. Yeah. Zoe, right? Yep. How would you define the word equip? Yeah, you're putting gears on something. You're making something ready, right? Exactly. Great job. So uh, Merriam-Webster's defines the word equip as a verb meaning to furnish for service or an action by appropriate provisioning to make ready. I thought it was kind of funny that I had to look up the word provisioning uh, in a definition. I don't know. But um, so let's go through some scenarios now. So it's basically to be prepared, right? So Wayne and Julie, I know Julie's right there. Wayne's probably serving on the security team today. I know you guys like to go camping. What would you consider yourself, or what would it take to be well-equipped for going camping? A tent? That's good. That's a good start. All right. Food? Campfire? Yeah, I heard a campfire. Uh, What? Wisdom to go camping. Yeah, you don't want to camp in the wrong spot, I guess. <laughs> Maybe some lights, a bug spray. Yep, you got to know where you're going. Exactly. All right. Um, Jeff, I know you're back there in the sound booth. 
Harvesting wheat. What would you take to be well equipped for harvesting wheat? Okay, weeks of preparation. Combine, yeah, you probably want a tractor, something like that. Manpower, Paul, Dylan, good job, guys. And a plan of action. All right, I like it. All right, here's a tough one. Um, let's see, who do I want to pick on? Any volunteers? Uh, yeah, that's never, never volunteer for something before you know the question, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what would it take to be well equipped for adulthood? Brains. I heard brains somewhere. Parents. Life experience. Okay. Godly peers. That definitely helps. All right, cool. Typically, when I ask for volunteers at youth group, I just get a bunch of blank stares. So I'm glad that you guys are talking to me. Um, But uh, all those gifts that I mentioned earlier that Christ uh, left us, thank you guys for participating. Uh, But all those gifts that I mentioned earlier are what Christ left us with to equip us for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So if equipping someone, we talked about this, if equipping something, uh, someone or something means to make it ready, to be ready to go camping or harvesting wheat, getting all your tools together and you're the right mindset, Paul is saying here that these people, past and present alike, are placed here to equip us in service for Christ. The, the teachers and the preachers, the evangelists and the prophets that he mentioned here, uh, are here to equip us in service for Christ. So now that we've seen how the dictionary defines being equipped, and we have defined how, what it means to be equipped, uh, let's look at how the Bible defines it. So we're going to flip over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, 14 through 17, if you want to read along. I think it'll also be on the screen. All right. Got to find it in my Bible. Here we go. Okay, so I'm going to start reading in verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those of whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All right, so one of the big reasons, and this is something that I feel like is important whenever you're reading scripture, is to understand the context around it. Uh, Whether that be the historical context, who's writing it, uh, who is it being written to, all these things help us understand better what is being written in the word. And uh, you're going to have to bear with me a little bit. I'm going to catch you up on why Paul is writing this letter. And Paul wrote actually two letters to Timothy, First and Second Timothy. And a big reason for that was to encourage him and equip him with the knowledge that it takes to lead and serve. So Timothy first crossed paths with Paul on Paul's second missionary journey. We actually just finished talking about Paul's missionary journeys in junior church. Um, really cool lessons. And at this point in time, Uh, tradition says that Timothy was around 21 years old when he first met Paul, and that's my age to give you a reference. And Paul dropped him off at the church in Ephesus, who was currently dealing with some things. They were a new church, and they were currently dealing with uh, things like uh, heresy and false teachers. And Paul dropped Timothy off, even at this young age, to kind of help them work through some of those things and to help lead them. So when Paul was, or when Timothy when, his, uh, when he was in his early 30s, which is another for reference, uh, is around Andy's age, uh, Paul wrote his first letter to him, which we'll read some of later, uh, and to kind of 
continue to put context around why we're reading this. Second Timothy was the last letter that Paul wrote that was canonized in scripture. Uh, it was because Paul was currently in prison in Rome facing death uh, at the hands of Nero. And these were Paul's last words, the ones that we just read in this letter that we have recorded, which means that they are really from his heart. They are his priority. They were important to him. Uh, You hear the term uh, famous last words. Uh, Whenever someone famous dies, you always want to know what the last thing they said, because maybe they have some little bit of wisdom to instill upon us before they die. Well, these were Paul's famous last words, the book of 2 Timothy. He was using this to pass the torch uh, to the next generation of church leaders one of whom was Timothy. And again, he was writing to inform him of what it took to continue the church. And what we just read, you saw. Uh, So here, Paul gives us another thing that we can use to equip ourselves. And this is the most important thing, most important tool that we have to equip ourselves. It's better than a tent or a combine or anything like that. Uh, This is, uh, it's scripture. Uh, Paul tells us that we can use the Bible along with the teachers, preachers, evangelists, and prophets to equip ourselves. And one of the big things that I've learned about reading scripture is that when something is mentioned, it's important. It's in scripture. It's important, right? When something is mentioned more than once, it's really, really important. So you have to pay attention. Paul talked multiple times about equipping yourselves and equipping other people. And he sent these letters to Timothy and he talked about it in other places and the epistles as well. And all these things uh, that Paul mentions are to prepare us for the harshness of the world. Uh, He's not telling these current and future leaders of the church to prepare themselves to uh, do little things like brewing the right kind of coffee before service or choosing pews instead of chairs or something like that. He's not talking about uh, deciding those things, but instead he is trying to teach them and prepare them and equip them for the intense persecution that the early church faced. Uh, If not given the right preparation, it would be awfully hard to make it through some of the things that they went through. I mean, they went through stonings, beatings, uh, death, crucifixions, a a lot of bad, bad stuff. And a lot of times we can kind of distort the word persecution because, I mean, we are persecuted in some ways, but we are really blessed to live in an area where we don't really have to face especially what uh, they do in other countries or what they did back then. Uh, But even though we may not still face that same kind of persecution today, it's still important for us to learn and listen to what Paul has to say about how to prepare ourselves for that, uh, especially for young adults and kids, because a lot of the world that they're going into right now is in pretty rough shape. I, I was thinking about this the other day, even just your cell phone, it makes sinning so accessible and temptation so accessible. Uh, it's just something that other generations didn't have to deal with, and it's really tough for young adults that aren't prepared to go into the world and be successful in that manner because there's just a lot coming at them. There's a lot of pressure to conform to the ways of the world. And I basically tell all of you this to just ensure that you understand how important it is to prepare. We decided that was the meaning of the word equip, to prepare uh, these young adults and these kids for the future. Uh, we prepare by listening to the teachers and the preachers, all filtered through the context of God's word. And we decided that our best tool for equipping ourselves is definitely scripture and how Paul says that we can use it for the teaching, the rebuking, correcting, and training. Uh, reading and memorizing and understanding scripture, scripture will better prepare us for facing the world than anything else. And that's what we try to do at Youth Group. 
It is every lesson that we have. We, uh, you guys went through the, it's called the Gospel Project, right? Or the Gospel, is that what the Netflix show was? American Gospel. We went through that last year, and we talked about how important the Gospel message is. And we try to have every single lesson point back to Christ in some way, because it is incredibly important for these young adults to be prepared uh, into whatever facet of life they go into. And that is one way that we do it, is we just make sure that they get exposed to the Bible. All right? So in both passages that we've read so far, we're going to kind of uh, use this to now move on to the second question that I want to answer. And that is uh, what we are equipped for. So now that we're equipped, we decided that we need to be prepared. Now what do we need to be prepared for? And in both passages we've read, Paul sums up what we are equipping ourselves for very plainly. Uh, He says we are equipping ourselves to become faithful servants of God. It says that in both passages that we've read so far, for good works, to do good works for Christ. And... Uh, We started off the year, uh, this year in youth group, by doing a lesson series over uh, what it means to serve like Christ. Different sponsors taught different lessons uh, about different um, aspects of serving others, like how to serve, uh, why do we serve, uh, how to serve like Christ, all these things. And then we talked about some service projects that we're still working through this summer, uh, how we want to just go out and actively serve. And we felt that it was important Uh, to establish that having a strong faith in Christ results in being a strong servant for Christ. And now uh, I have another video. Hopefully it works. Maybe we could try. Uh, But I want to show you guys uh, kind of what it looks like to be a servant. uh, I asked a few people from the church or that have graduated and moved elsewhere that went through the church to uh, talk about how they are currently serving or how they have served Christ. So Maybe? It's a nice picture of Jay and Debbie, though. (laughs) No luck? All right. I'm telling you, we had these things working before. I don't know. Some things just happen. It's all right. I'll try to get these again posted uh, so you guys can watch them later. But uh, I really do appreciate the people that I asked that were able to get back with me and uh, just kind of talk about how uh, they are serving Christ, how going through this church and knowing all of you really prepared them to or really equipped them to be servants for Christ later in life. And uh, Jay and Debbie, uh, tremendous people. They've had a lot to do with my spiritual growth. And they actually started the junior high youth group, right, in the early 90s? Yeah, so they started the junior high youth group, which is now we still have to this day. And they impacted many, many kids' lives just by opening that up So and taking them on trips, going to, you guys went on ski trips, you went to Branson, you did a bunch of really cool stuff just to encourage and equip uh, the junior high kids. And I also asked uh, Justin and Jennifer, who they just took Andrew to uh, an honors college thing, Uh, but uh, Justin and Jennifer, they sent a video, and they talked about how uh, they grew up, and they met each other in the youth group, and they're now married, and how they are serving, or Justin's serving as a minister, and Jennifer's a nurse, and they're serving God where they're at. And I also asked Michael Reed. Uh, Michael uh, went to college for four years, and then he served in the Navy, that branch, uh, for uh, seven years as a officer on a submarine, which is really, really cool. And 
all the while he was serving his country in a really awesome way, but he was serving God above that all. And he tells, that, uh, tells us that in the video and about how uh, going to church and going to youth group really prepared him to do that. And then lastly, I asked my uh, good friend Luke Laws, who I actually got to be in his wedding a few weeks ago. Uh, he talked about how he started coming here in the fifth grade and how he really matured and grew up and learned more about Christ. And now he is one year away from graduating Bible college to become a full-time youth minister. And I just think it was really, really awesome to see all these people that grew up in the youth group, that grew up in the church, growing to become servants for Christ. And You know, those examples that I just mentioned, those are just uh, four groups of people uh, that talked about how they're servants, but really I could stand here and I could list all the servants in our church for another hour. Uh, There's countless youth sponsors, children's sponsors, people that help with the nursery, people that help with the card ministry, uh, hostesses, people that set up our church for different events, the the computer people that help run the computers every Sunday, the people or the music, Kurt and the rest of the worship team that lead us in song every Sunday. I could keep naming all these people, and the list goes on, just of how you guys are serving Christ and the examples that you're setting for the young adults. And I think that really goes to show that Paul knew what he was talking about. He uh, kind of used this, the rest of the passage in Ephesians, the first one that we read, to talk about not only are we called to serve, but we're called to serve together. And I'm going to reread chapter 4, verses 12 through 16 really quick, if I can get back to it. Um, It says, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Facing, um, actually I'm going to keep reading. Um, Verse 14 Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking in truth and love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself in love as each part does its work. Facing the challenges of this word, uh, world, uh, that cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming that Paul says, the temptations, the pressures to conform, it would all be a lot more difficult if we didn't have each other, right? Uh, and really, this is not the only place that Paul uses this metaphor of being a body, of working together. I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that he also uses it. And a body's not able to function uh, to full capacity without its head, without Christ. And likewise, like every part of a body has a specific, specific pers- a purpose, all of us have a different purpose as well. And we all operate to serve Christ, to serve the head of our body. We all do a lot of different, really cool things that are incredibly value, valuable, each in their own respect, to serve Christ. And uh, Paul also uses here the concept of maturity. And uh, this concept of maturity kind of aligns with what I'm trying to get at with the concept of equipping. It's pretty obvious that Josh, my main man Josh, he's up in Janice's Sunday school class now. That's cool. He graduated this morning. They had promotion Sunday. Uh, Josh, uh, JL, Kyra, uh, Leah, Eli, Jesse, all the little babies, they're not as mature as a high schooler, even though sometimes I think they are more mature than maybe Jake or Cole or someone like that. Uh, 
but they're not as mature as a high schooler, and a high schooler is not as mature as a 30-year-old, and a 30-year-old is not as mature as an octogenarian. That's your vocab word of the day. Um, but I mentioned how Timothy was pretty young when he first uh, took on that position of being a leader at the church of Ephesus. And it made it all the more important that he learned and matured and from listening and learning from some of the more mature Christians like Paul. A uh, little fun fact about Timothy, he is actually the first recorded second, generated, uh, second generation Christian in the Bible. So most of the people at that point when the church was like brand new were being converted from the 12 apostles, uh, from Paul and all those people. And uh, Timothy was different. His mom and his grandma were already Christians, and he was born into it. And he got kind of a head start from learning from them, which is really cool. And that helped him get to the point where he was at, where Paul trusted him enough to go and lead the church in Ephesus. And it was still really important, though, for Timothy to learn from some of the older Christians, as he still had a lot to learn. And uh, another one of the goals— of the youth group, uh, similarly to that, how Paul tried to train Timothy is to give the junior high and high schoolers as much information about Christ as possible, to give them that experience, to give them that uh, gospel message. And I would argue that there's no better time to share that gospel message than during high school and junior high, because it's really a transitionary time. You're trying to decide who you are, who you're going to be, who you're going to spend your time with. There's a lot going on at that age, and I speak as someone who's not too far away from uh, that age, that you're just trying to decide a lot, and it's a really impactful time. There is it's probably the best time to share Christ with someone, in my opinion. And, uh, oh man, I lost my spot. Okay, just a second. So uh, let's see what Paul had to tell Timothy about his youth, uh, about how, I'll just read for you. First uh, Timothy chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. All right, so this is something, uh, this is one of the main themes that we try to teach our kids, that information that we try to share with them. Uh, It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what you're good at or what you're not good at. You can still serve Christ and you can share the gospel with people in whatever stage of life you are at. Uh, this was actually a part of uh, our junior church lesson a couple weeks ago. We, even kids that young, uh, kids that are in the second and third grade, they can still impact uh, other people by the way they act. Like Paul said here, in speech and conduct, love, faith, and purity. And I, I just think it's important to share with you that this is one of the things that we're trying to teach our kids, that it doesn't matter how old you are or what part of the body you are, what you're uh, trying to do or the ways that you serve, you can still be uh, a minister for God. You can still be a servant of God. All right, so we establish first, equip means to prepare. Secondly, we are equipped to serve. And then last, I want to answer the question, who equips us? Uh, we've already talked a little bit of how we can learn from Christ, uh, or how we can learn from, sorry, Christians that are older than us, that are more mature than us. We can learn from Scripture. And I want to focus now on how Christ equips us. Like I said, the biggest tool we have to equip ourselves is Scripture, and everything in that book is something that we can use to further our knowledge of Christ and teach others about it. Paul says in verse 7, "...the grace has been given to each of us by Christ." 
We read that he, like I said, he gives the apostles, the teachers, the preachers, the evangelists, the prophets, all those people. And he then talks about how he compares Jesus to the head of the body, which is the church, and how it's hard to get anything done without a head. And then he talks about all that. And then finally he gets to verses four through six, or he I'm going to look at verses four through six, because I feel like this is probably the most important thing to gather from this passage. And I'm going to read it again. Um, It says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and all. That's just a really powerful verse. And uh, when it comes to equipping, it's important to understand where that equipment is coming from, why we're being equipped to serve. We are being equipped to serve the one God, the one Lord that is over all and through all and all. Um, it really shows when it says that. It says overall, that shows Christ or God's transcendence, how he is above all things. And through all in all, it talks about how he is always there for us, always there with us. And that's his eminence. And because of that, because we serve that one God, that one Lord, we should want to be as prepared as possible. We should want to be as equipped as possible because of that immense love that Christ showed us when he died on the cross. Uh, If there is one thing that I want all students who come through the youth group, whether they come for a week or they come every Sunday for their entire high school career, there's one thing that I want them to make sure that they have before they leave is that gospel message. Uh, That the Lord over all creation, didn't have to do this, Lord over all creation, he came in human form and he equipped us with knowledge and wisdom that we may be able to share that with other people and have joy and have peace. And he lived a perfect life and then died on the cross, an undeserving death. It was perfect. He didn't have to do that. It was a death that we instead deserved. And not the end of the story, though. He rose three days later, conquering death and covering our sin so that one day we would have the choice to accept him and to be equipped by him and to serve him and to get to join him in heaven. Uh, I'm going to kind of land the plane with this. Uh, there is a difference between being a follower and being a disciple. Uh, you hear the word disciple tossed around in the Bible quite a bit. And there's a reason they use it. The Bible doesn't mix up its words. It says what it means. And it's important to understand why they use those words. And our goal as a youth group and as a church, our uh, church's mission statement is to save the lost disciple the saved. We're seeking to make disciples. And I could share all the information I want with our students. I could... um, I could, uh, what a drinking out of a fire hose, is that the cliche? I could give them all the information that I want, but if they don't actually apply it or it doesn't actually impact their lives, it's not really worth it. Uh, A disciple is not just someone that follows passively and that can be easily swayed from a different path. Kind of like Paul talks about at the end of Ephesians chapter 4, uh, 1 through 16, about how they are tossed by the wind and the waves, about how they are led astray by Uh, cunning schemes from different people. And that's a follower. A disciple 
instead is someone who follows closely, someone who follows faithfully, someone that's dedicated, regardless of what happens around them. Uh, I'll joke with Andy again. It, it really makes me think of Andy's fandom for uh, the Texas Longhorns. He uh, gets bullied a little bit by some of us because we're pretty big Sooners fans, and the Longhorns, they like to stay in the losing uh, column. But uh, no matter what, no matter what, Andy sticks to his guns, and I have to respect that because he is a dedicated follower of the Texas Longhorns. See, Christ doesn't call us just to be followers. He calls us to be disciples. He calls us to be true, dedicated followers and have that faithful dedication. And I'm going to read to you uh, the Great Commission found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded to you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus does not say here, Go and make followers of every nation. Uh, he does not say go and te- or he doesn't say go and just share knowledge with people from other nations. He says go and make disciples of every nation. Uh, he says go and equip. Uh, I'll get into that in a second. Go and equip people in other nations uh, because equip means to prepare, and that's our goal as a youth group, is to prepare to make disciples because a disciple is someone that is truly prepared. Uh, if you translate the word disciple back to Greek, uh, Jesus here uses the word mathetes, uh, which it comes from the prefix, which means math, uh, which is the mental effort needed to think something through. And then properly, a learner, a disciple, a follower of Christ who learns the doctrines of scripture, but also actually applies it to their life. It's a word that specifically means to follow and apply, not just follow, but to apply as well. A disciple is someone who is dedicated. Uh, What good is it if you equip yourself to climb a mountain, but you never step foot on a mountain range? Uh, What good is it if you equip yourself to bake a cake, but you never enter a kitchen? What good is it if you memorize all the words in this Bible, but you don't really take it to heart? You don't actually apply it. We're, We're called to make disciples, people that truly follow, that want to stand up for Christ, to serve him with everything they've got, We want our youth group to be disciples when they graduate from college or graduate from high school. In reality, growing up is a little bit scary. There's a lot of decisions that you're in charge of making when you're 18 years old. And we want to prepare the best that we can, those kids, for a life for Christ, for a continued servanthood in Christ. Uh, We want them to be equipped. We want them to be prepared to serve uh, and be equipped by Christ. That's our goal. That's why we wanted to share you this message this morning. Uh, and I'll try to get those videos. Again, it was really cool to see them talk about what they're doing to serve. But we did all of this because of Christ's love for us, like I said. And we're, I'm going to pray. The worship team is going to come back up here. And as always, we offer an invitation. And if you have not committed yourself to being equipped by the people here in this church, by Andy, by Kurt, if you have not agreed or uh, wanted to be equipped by Christ yet, if you've not made that decision, now's as good as time as any. And it's something that it's a continual journey for all of us. We all want, or we all learn and grow together so that we continue to better serve 
and better glorify Christ. So to sum things up, equip means to prepare. We are equipped to serve, and Christ is the one who equips us. All right, we'll pray. God, we come to you now, and we just thank you for the blessing that it is to be here again, God. I pray that as we go out into our lives, that we seek being equipped, that we seek learning more about you and actually applying it to our lives. Because uh, without you, without your love, they're just words on a page. And we want to actually take those words and apply it so that we can serve you, that we can glorify you, that we can just be true, true followers of Christ, true disciples of Christ. We just thank you for the opportunity to do that. And I pray that if anyone is thinking about this, that they want to even just... ...fixed on you. Uh, God, we know that you are a good, good God, um, regardless of the outcome. But God, we just come and we ask for a miracle. We ask for healing. Um, We just ask for more time. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you'll give the youth just one more hand, that was awesome. Uh, It's so encouraging just to see young people uh, in so many realms serving. I mean, good grief, our youth leader is 21 years old. He's he's young still. Um, Heather told me she changed his diaper the other day. And so, like, when he was little, not like a couple weeks ago. So uh, we got to clarify that. But uh, realizing sometimes things come out and I got to catch them and make sure they make sense. Anyways, you called me old. So, yeah. Um, and he said we're not friends, which really hurt my feelings, but I'll get past it. Uh, we'll, we'll get through that. Anyways, uh, just love our youth. If you'll continue to just support them, um, you do in so many ways that you don't even realize it. Uh, and so if you'll just continue to do that, and one of the greatest ways is just continue to pray for them. I don't know if you know this or not, you probably do, but our youth, not just our youth, but the youth of our world are under attack daily just from evil vices out there that want to steal them away from the church and from God and from living for him. And they need our prayers. They need our guidance. And so we have a lot of wisdom in this room and godly guidance. And so don't be afraid to speak up to them, please. Um, If you see somebody, you know, mentor them, disciple them, reach out to them. Uh, They need it. So uh, anyways, if you'll join me, uh, I'll close this out in a word of prayer, but also we'll just pray over our youth as well. So if you'll join me, Father God, we just come before you. And we are so um, grateful just for the young men and women that you are raising up through this church. And um, as the video that we didn't get to see showed, we have people who have gone from here and are still faithful to your word. And so, God, we thank you for them. We thank you for the work that you are doing in the young people's lives here. And, God, we just pray um, just for their hearts, that they be set apart for you. Uh, There's so many temptations in this world, and there's so many vices that are going to try and pull them and all of us away from you. And so, God, we just pray that as your people here specifically at Center Christian Church, we, we stand firm in your word. And we bear one another's burdens and we, we feed into each other. 
And so, God, we thank you for Sam and for all of the volunteers from um, high school all the way down to toddlers and nursery who are willing to give their time to mentor and disciple and equip the younger generations. God, give them energy, give them focus, give them wisdom on how to deal with the circumstances that they uh, encounter. And God, may it just be a rising up of a generation that is going to live for you in everything that they do. But God, we pray it not just be this generation coming up. We pray that it be us here now, those older ones of us that are um, living for you. May we continue to do that. And so God, as we go from here, may we go following you wherever it is that you call us. May we be prepared to give a response for the hope that we have in all circumstances. And God, may it all be for your glory. We love you, and it's in the name of Jesus that we pray this. Amen.